A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the PH Nutrition Podcast. Uh, today, I am delighted to be joined by three of the team. We have Luke, Bowie, and Harriet on the podcast today, and we're going to be discussing a very important topic. Uh, but before we dive into that, how is everyone? How are you? Everyone good? Yeah, great. Thanks, Leah. We're doing well. Great thank stuff. you. Lukey, how are you? <laughs> Not bad at all. Thanks, Liam. Yeah, all good. Excellent. And Harriet, feeling good, training well? Yeah, all going really well at the moment, just focusing on getting stronger. <laughs> oh, that's what we like to hear. And that kind of leads into today's topic, and that is people training like athletes. Now, this topic was actually born out of a newsletter that I wrote when I the subject line was, you're not an athlete, you're an accountant who trains hard. And it got quite a lot of responses, most of them positive. But today we are going to be talking about people and the amount that they train. Just a little disclaimer. This isn't a finger pointing exercise. I think that people pushing themselves and training hard, you know, and wanting to progress is an incredible thing. I think CrossFit's done a great job of that, of, of allowing people to kind of, you know, have a, an environment that, that is really performance. However, the main issue that I have is that people thinking that they need to train excessively like athletes to see progress. That's the problem they have with it. So today we're going to be diving into a little of the nuance around it, a little bit of the details, and look, give you some practical advice. If you're using our experience and using, you know, the the things that we commonly see with clients, and hoping out at the end of this that you can come away to, you know, with it to be like, yes, I definitely am, am guilty of this, but this is how I address this. So guys, like, is this something that we see commonly in the gyms that we're training in, and the people that we, you know, that we're working with? and with our clients definitely yeah and i think i you obviously said there you know it's not a finger pointing exercise as well and i think it's important to point out here guys that if you are listening to any of this that we're going to dive into and you think hang on a minute that's me then that just goes to show that subconsciously somewhere in your mind you might be thinking that you are training too much as well so i think it's worth getting that out there because it is common it's common for people to train almost 
too hard for a the kind of benefits that they're getting from training and b where they are realistically going to go within their chosen sport as well and and like you said about you're not an athlete you're an accountant who trains hard a lot of people we kind of see almost put you don't want to say too much value on stuff because everybody has different kind of amounts of value of what they put towards training and training is a super valuable thing that a lot of people care about that we care about too yeah but you do see people kind of doing too much not getting the benefits from a training perspective, even potentially even doing too much and inhibiting yeah. the potential benefits, the gains that they could be getting. Um, and then obviously that then bleeds into other factors of life as well. And I mean, I see it more often than I would like for yeah. sure. I don't know about the rest of you guys. Though. I do think that, the, that that's a really important point you make. It's actually training too much is preventing them from seeing progress. And there's a balance. We know that, you know, we know that there's, there's a balance needed and uh, we'll dive into this, but training is used for a lot more than just performance enhancement. You know, people use it for, you know, kind of, you know, mental kind of break from work or life or whatever. And they use it for stress relief. And it's a great thing for mental health. I'm definitely in that camp. And like I said, what we want to do is just highlight trying to get that right balance. Like Chloe, at the moment, you, you know, you just come out of training quite intensely for an extended period of time. But what I see is that if someone with a very busy job, you know, that has maybe a family and then they see that someone, an athlete or someone that's really, really competitive is trying, is training quite a lot to achieve a physique or a performance-based goal, them trying to slot that in to their lifestyle is really, really hard, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think as well, when you said about like the importance of training for your mental health, the training itself becomes a stressor, doesn't it? And then what I've heard from a lot of clients is that they feel guilty if they don't get a certain amount of training in. And like, I feel like that's something to kind of maybe pick on there is the fact that perhaps people are overtraining, but when they don't train, they're feeling guilty for not training, which is just a bit of a weird kind of vicious cycle that I've definitely heard this a lot from clients, especially female clients, like feeling guilty because they're not training. And it's like training isn't the norm. Rest is the norm and training is the stimulus. So don't feel guilty for doing something that you don't necessarily have to be doing. Yeah. And and then it leads into nutrition choices because it's a bit of a a vicious cycle where if they don't train, they only eat certain foods or they only allow themselves. I think you spoke about this on a previous podcast. It's like training day foods versus non-training day foods. And and actually this isn't really the case, but like I said, like training is like, say is the stressor. And how have you found to get the balance? Because you're training quite a lot, right? Like when you were kind of prepping and stuff, like how many hours a day would you be doing? end of my prep I was not doing many hours at all because my body was like stop (laughs) but probably in the peak of it like I was doing I was doing like an hour of cardio a day plus you know an hour of weights or at least an hour of weights maybe an hour and a half weights so cardio plus weights it was kind of like two and a half hours a day on the max days maybe five six days a week Mm. Uh, but obviously that was for a very specific aesthetic goal and that kind of came to the point where it was you know it's not too much for that goal but it was too much for various you know various things like it's not one size fits all and that's that's become a bit of a you had to give up you had to give up a lot of stuff you know you had to make sacrifices like for me if I tried to do that it would have a huge impact in terms of my 
life, in terms of my family life, yeah. in terms of the things. So I think that's the one of the big issues that I have when people are, are thinking that they need to do this much. Now, in you know, most of the time, if you, you most of the time people don't want to be five percent body fat and and you know, or go into the to the games but they still end up thinking that they maybe need to do that amount to see the results that they see. Mm. So uh, I think that's, a, you know, a kind of key thing. Harry, kind of more on the weightlifting side of things, like the weightlifting sessions are pretty intense, pretty long, aren't they? Like, do you see people just kind of like, we will see those members, like the unlimited members who end up getting their ASOS and, you know, mail delivered to the gym and they just seem to live at least there. <laughs> do you see that often with the gyms you're in? Yeah, it's interesting. I guess from, because I'm still a CrossFit coach, I can still see it from that perspective in terms of like the environment of a CrossFit environment compared to a weightlifting environment. And I've actually found that it's a very, very different place in terms of like what they're looking to achieve and how they approach it. So from a CrossFit perspective, I find that a lot of the members that I, I coach and I'm around are very much kind of like eager to just push themselves as hard as they possibly can because they think, that's going to get them to, you know, their best possible performance or their best possible physique. Whereas now that I've kind of transitioned and I, I train to to weightless, I'm a weightlifter really, I find that everyone has is a bit more sensible about their training. I think it's because it is such high impact and you, you could, you know, argue that CrossFit is high impact as well. But because the training load and the volume of it's so high, you do need to be really sensible. And I think perhaps it's the people that you're around as well. So, you know, being around certain people may influence, you know, the way that you feel that you should be training compared to, you know, when I'm in my weightlifting, I'm training around like actual athletes and training with some of the GB girls. So mm. I'm kind of listening, I'm following, I'm being inspired by them. And I'm, I'm understanding that actually they only train what? four or five days a week and that's enough and they're making sure that in between that they're going to their physio they're fueling they're eating correctly whereas when you're in the crossfit environment there can be this more of a push to just excel work harder and i think there's not so much of a balance and maybe the inspiration we see within crossfit maybe isn't as positive as it could be like the people we want to be like or the people that we see on instagram perhaps maybe i'll giving us the right messages or are giving us a full picture, as you said, full-time athletes versus people who are working. Yeah, I think it's giving the full picture. That's it. And that's a key point yeah. I wanted to make today is if you want to see progress and, and you love training, like I love training. You know, I, I someone said to me, like, train less. I think it's it's a hard thing for a lot of people to to take. But what we want to do is framing it in terms of the type of training that they're doing or the type of things that they're doing and like you say athletes are doing some, some some really amazing stuff and if you really want to see progress i think you need to take a bit of a, a you know a leaf from their book to say mobility recovery sleep physio body work you know this kind of stuff like th- th- this is definitely the things that i think people maybe miss and just kind of go down the training route but Luca, you've done a lot about periodization in terms of nutrition you know and that's definitely something when you touch on it there like Harry about weightlifters I think they follow quite a good plan good periodization that there's you know there's there's thought behind it whereas sometimes people can just be like well I'm just going to smash myself for, for the whole year and then I take two weeks off for when I go to Ibiza and like Luke 
how can people because uh, periodizing nutrition we've done a podcast on this but how can people practically do it yeah so so periodized nutrition just kind of for some context and a bit of a review on that guys essentially what periodized nutrition is is changing your nutrition to match the stimulus of the training that you're attacking and the reason it's periodized is because more often than not the kind of stimulus for training should be periodized as well and you're going to be eating different amounts of different macros, different types of food to achieve different goals. Um, and so when we look at kind of the season, let's use CrossFit athletes as an example. Uh, I've periodized nutrition with the athletes that I work with at the top level so that in the off season, their diets change because it's much more focused towards strength gain. So we actually might give them a little bit more intake and we might want to take their kind of mass up a little bit and we periodize to kind of focus on both stimulating what they're focusing on in training and actually physique changes that will benefit them down the line as well and we'll basically map out the year and we'll say okay sweet we want to be at this point at this time and then where does that leave us with time before competition and then we look at what the training is going to look like for that and what we need to do to change their diet to match kind of their training and the key kind of thing there that Leah mentioned is their training changes over the course of the year yeah. because the focus changes over the course of the year and they'll have periods of really intense training prep for competition prep competition simulation that kind of stuff as well but they'll have long periods of focusing on single stuff so it might even be zone two and low intensity training and working on building their base cardio system and other times it might be pure strength training and will change based on that and it's not just changing their nutrition based on that as well they they change their recovery they change aspects of their life because they know it's going to maximize the gains there now obviously that's kind of a little bit of a different situation with pro athletes who it's their livelihood and they have both the capacity and the kind of infrastructure to be able to do that to be able to go all or nothing on their recovery all or nothing on this but the important kind of thing to take away from that as well is that even they aren't killing themselves year round they're doing it in a structured way that's going to be positive towards their performance and they maximize everything that they can to help that. And that's not necessarily more training. That's maximizing recovery, like kind of Harriet mentioned as well, like the weightlifters do where they're just five, four days a week. But around that, they're making sure they're seeing their physio, they're sleeping, right, that kind of stuff. And I think the problem kind of comes when people see an all or nothing approach. Because mm. to be at the top, you do have to have an all or nothing approach. Yeah. But to be at the top, you also have to be incredibly lucky, realistically, both genetically you got to be lucky. You've got to be a certain kind of type of person. And we see that across all sorts of sports. I think that's something that's really fascinating to me is just the way that different sports appeal to different body types and different genetic properties as well. And there's a high chance that you're not going to be in that kind of top 1% that's going to be going to the games, that's going to be winning everything, that's going to be your map praises, your tier two meets. That's probably not going to happen. But if you believe that it is and you're going all in, but you're still placing 500s in the UK in the open and you're sacrificing a load of other things for that, that's where I think the kind of problem is. And that's when people, like Liam said, are kind of going hard all the time. When, as I say, we don't even see top athletes training at that high high intensity year round yeah it, like I say it's, it's good to push yourself but like it's, to do push yourself in a way that you're looking at the whole picture that's a really key thing so like for me people often just think that more is better uh, and you know we don't want to be doing that and like Luke said then if you if you're placing 500s that's great and you really want to sacrifice and go to the next level then you know 
you're going to be good. You're going to, you know, you're a fit person. If you're 50, 500, you're still really good to take yourself to the next level. Probably isn't going to be more training. It's probably going to be looking after your body a little bit more or doing the, you know, nutrition side of things, you know, a, a little bit more detailed. And then that's something that athletes do. The, when you said what separates the, the top 1%, Luke, all of us who worked with elite athletes, the ones that are at the top are the most consistent for me they're the ones that really dial their nutrition in on a consistent basis so when we're talking about the everyday athlete doing the nutrition when they start to want to train two three hours a day or six seven days a week it becomes really challenging for us doesn't it to be able to kind of implement nutrition strategies that are going to help be conducive to them reaching their goals yeah like chloe like you know, when we've walked, we work with clients who then just, you know, training more and more. This is definitely something on a female performance project that you must have seen. You know, like, how do you approach someone? Because we're not trainers. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're not there to, to do their training plan. How do we approach that from a nutrition point of view? Yeah, it's, it's quite difficult. I think you've said, we've talked about this before, and I remember you saying there's only so much food you can literally put yeah. in someone. <laughs> and it's so true. Like, I I mean, I have a few clients that I work with that definitely, and they would know who they were if they listened to this, but they're definitely training too much. And every time I chat to them, I'm like, have you had a rest day? And they go, oh, well, maybe. And, you know, it's so difficult. And they've got me telling them to rest and their trainers telling them to rest. And obviously we can we can supplement you. We can help you with your sleep. Like we're always, you know, we love talking about sleep and stuff as well. And we can talk about micronutrients and getting enough food in and getting your carbs around your training. But at the end of the day, you can only do that to like a certain point. Mm. And you do just have to give your body rest, mm. especially when it comes with, you know, people who are trying to train so much, but they do have full-time jobs. And they're like, well, my work is also stressful. And we say, okay, well, maybe we can bring down some stress in other parts of your life too. And they're like, well, I can't just quit my job. So it does kind of come exactly. down to that where you just, you just have to take a day off. And like, it literally comes down to that. And I had a girl on the female performance plan a couple of weeks ago and she came to me and she said, she was like, Chloe, I just feel, she felt great at the beginning. And then she'd obviously start training more and more. And she said, oh, I'm just really hungry. I keep picking at biscuits. I'm super tired. My sleep is awful. My digestion is awful. My I'm bloated. My weight is fluctuating. What's going on? And I was like, oh, what, what? I don't know. I was like racking my brain. And I was like, have you had a rest day? She said, no, I've done six days in a row. Oh my God, honestly. And I said, I was like, take two days off, take two days off. And she did. And her weight came down. She wasn't bloated anymore. She slept. And it's just, this is the thing. When you're trying to work with clients and we're giving them all these things to do based on a certain amount of training, we don't account for, you know, people running themselves into the ground constantly. We're trying to give something to a, a relatively healthy body here. And it masks all the progress. So if you are stressed and inflamed from training too much, it masks if your weight has dropped, whether your body is holding water, whether you can sleep well. So it kind of, if people are overtraining, it actually kind of removes a lot of the work we do with people in trying to get their sleep and their digestion on point because the training kind of screws it up because they're doing too much of it. So it does get to a point where you do just, need to take a rest day or yeah. two, even two rest days in a row funnily Ooh, enough like whoa, people whoa, hate whoa, hearing whoa. that <laughs> crazy stuff two days in a row but you're right it's it's getting that balance of energy availability and it's really challenging when output 
even though you know output from from training can be you know if it's just one hour a day it doesn't make that much of an issue but when it gets to two when it gets to three you know and the days are longer because people are then shifting meal times as well that's one of the biggest things that i find challenging with clients is when they start to train twice a day meal times become so skewed and it's really then hard to be like okay i need you to eat but they're like i don't finish training till 8 30 at night i don't really fancy eating a meal so then they end up eating i don't know cereal or a yogurt or a thing and i'm like that's like a third of the calories that you need so this is definitely something that i think when issues start to arise such as you highlighted there sleep and digestion and you know water retention and all of this it's definitely something to kind of take a step back and be like look from a nutrition coaching point of view it's really hard it's really hard for us to keep adding more food in javier with the coaches from a coaching perspective talk to me about new members when you see new members coming through the door <laughs> this is an area that i think actually i spoke about this with tyron hatch on a previous podcast about us giving new members advice based on our experience but they're enthusiastic they want to do more and then the coach says no you don't need to do more i've done that and you only need to do x amount and they're like hang on a minute like do we need to let them figure it out themselves do we almost let them kind of have to train a little bit too much and then kind of figure it out like how how can we approach that Mm. it's a good question i think and I always take it back to like a behavior change perspective. Like the the word that I just think of is like clarity, like making sure that when a client comes on board, they are completely clear as to what their goals are and exactly why they want to do them. Because when you often speak to a client when you first onboard them, you know, they'll say, I want to do X because I want to be this type of athlete. And when you delve a little bit deeper, you start to ask them questions. So what I'm saying here is that asking questions can be really useful at kind of like digging a little bit deeper and really understanding where that perspective and where that will come from. Because it might be that they say, oh, well, it's because I've seen this person on Instagram or I follow a couple of people on this particular program and they're thriving and I want to be like them. But the only way that we're going to create positive change is if that comes from an internal motivation, not by watching other people and externally seeing it. Yes, that's a great motivation, mm. but you need that internal knowledge, confidence and understanding of what you really need. And also considering the potential barriers. So saying like, you know, what could possibly get in the way? Like, think about your lifestyle. Have you got a job? Have you got kids? Have you got, you know, different different things you need to consider as well. So trying to get them to think extremely realistically before they make or want to make this change or make this choice I think is a very important place to start yeah. and as you said if if you want them to kind of you know give it a go and just be like you know what go do your own thing come back to me when you know you're feeling a little bit broken that is an option but I think exploring it when you first speak to a client and they first on board is probably the the biggest thing we can do as practitioners and as nutritionists understanding their reason why so they can understand their reason why too yeah i think that's i think that's a really important point is it's framing it at the start isn't it to be like look from our experience your goal which we really delve into can be achieved by doing x you know rather than being like oh we just see people turn up all the time and just hammering themselves but yeah mate i think like the, the, the behavioral change side of things is it's just so so key and getting that in at the early part i think is really really cool but then you know we we need to assess this so 
going, you know, at, throughout the year. And that's what Luke said about periodization. It's like, it's not always just, you know, full throttle and away we go. Look, I, th- I think for me, it's an area where there, there needs to be balance and there needs to be a kind of almost of a bird's eye view. What your, you know, what your week looks like and what your month looks like. And that's a key thing that I think a lot of people miss. They miss, they just focus on the day to day. So when you get into the day to day, all of a sudden you can take a step back and go, wow, when was the last time I took a rest day? But for me, rest days are something that I don't know, I have a bit of an issue with. Lukey, talk to me about what you see with people and, and active rest days or <laughs> the, the active recovery. Yeah. Yeah. The kind of people that say they're taking a rest day, but oh, look, I've done a 10k zone two run so it's rest and i've done these accessories and that kind of stuff and it's like well you're not resting you're not recovering like and that kind of comes back to that energy availability point of view as well like it's hard to keep up with that like we've talked about before you can only give someone so much food and on those rest days if Mm. they're still more energy and they're not using the time to let their body recover then they're going to suffer definitely and the amount of times that i kind of see that and see it over time getting worse and worse and worse. And then you start to see those problems that Chloe mentioned earlier as well, where people are like, I'm not sleeping, I'm bloated, my appetite's gone because their stress levels are so high. And that's something that Liam, I know you've talked a lot about before with stress and, and all training will bring about some form of stress. Even if it feels like it's low training, it's going to be less stressful than normal training. Yeah, for sure. But those rest days, they want to be just that. You want to rest, you want to recover, you want to do things that are going to contribute to that. And I think a big part of that that is potentially overlooked is the psychological aspect of, of it as well and switching off. And yeah. like we've talked before, people, Chloe said, you know, they find it hard to switch off. They feel guilty if they're not training, which is why they'll validate those active rest days with active rest as opposed to doing something that they enjoy and that can give them a time to slow down switch off hang out with your friends do stuff that is going to just allow just your central nervous system as well to recover and to make other training sessions much more beneficial because you can just be more tuned into them and and pursue them more and and actually attack them as opposed to again maybe feeling like you're giving you all but because your body's still not recovered you're probably giving 70 80 percent of what is actually possible that's 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 a really key thing like we think that like the nervous system in the central nervous system, oh, it only gets, you know, depleted or, or, or when we do heavy listening, but actually, you know, it's yeah, exactly that. For those of you that aren't watching on YouTube, Luke is shaking his head. Um, <laughs> it can be, you know, fatigued at submaximal volumes, submaximal intensities. So even yeah. if, you know, you're doing 5k, you're doing these low intensity stuff, it's still going to impact, it's going to impair your recovery. So like Luke said, you don't have to just sit and do Netflix right, all day long or, or just whatever. You can go and get a massage, like do something that's going to help. If you're, if you're really all in on the fitness, all in on the training, this is what I want to be and I want to be the best, then do some mobility, do some massage, do some body work. Like this is still going to be doing something in the fitness world that's going to help you to, to achieve your yeah. goals. There's, I think if I jump in there, I would love for you to jump in, Luke. Go on then. <laughs> go, you can come back to your allostatic load in a bit. Yeah, um, that's just, <laughs> just jumping in on. I think it's it's worth pointing out as well that that sometimes those things, like Liam said, where you can go for a massage, you can do mobility, and almost in your brain, uh, you can start to justify 
taking the rest because it becomes, this is going to benefit me in my future. I think there can still be a little bit of a problem there with feeling guilt when you're not doing anything that you kind of deem as productive or towards Mm. your goal. I think that is a good kind of starting point for sure. If you're doing those kind of active rest days and that shift towards, okay, I'm going to do things that are less active, but still going to benefit my recovery and benefit my performance. I'm going to get a massage. I'm going to maybe, you know, do sensory deprivation because that's pretty cool. Uh, But in your mind, it's just justifying this is towards my goal, this is productive in quotation marks, I think there can still become a problem like we talked about at the start then with priorities. Because if you're not an athlete, if you're not going to that top level, those days could, maybe should, we don't know because we don't want to tell anyone how to live their lives, be spent on stuff that is fun because it's an opportunity for you to, to fill up kind of the cup on other stuff in your life that gives you joy and gives you pleasure because i don't think and and even athletes will tell you this apart from maybe the michael jordans and those at the top of their game that you need to find joy and pleasure from other stuff otherwise yeah if it's gone when it's gone then you've got nothing else there and so start off by using that almost as a justification to do less but really try and it is hard initially if you feel guilty really try and do things that you want to do that is separate to training that is going to benefit just your whole life and your mindset for sure. Yeah, that's a really, really great point, mate. Like you say, it's it's the first step. And I think this will shift from my experience. This shifts when you get a little bit older, when you get family, maybe your job changes, you know, you need to be flexible. And if you haven't cultivated that skill or you haven't cultivated the ability to be able to do that, then it's quite a big shift, like you said. So I think it's really important to ensure that that is something that you're building in and work. Really good point, mate. Go on to allostatic yeah, load. Just have a, it kind of got feeds into that, but like allostatic load is maybe something that I think we posted about it before. Basically, it's just a fancy term of allowing your body to, you know, adapt and recover. And if you don't do this, this is just, a, you know, like the, the amount of stress over a period of time. And if there, you don't allow for recovery or allowing your body to come back into you know a sense of balance a a sense of kind of homeostasis then you don't allow yourself to progress and what happens is is that you look at other people to go how can they recover from a two-hour training session every day like how do cross athletes how do elite athletes do this it's because they followed this periodization of their nutrition they've looked at all of these different factors and they've made sure that they're, they're, they're optimal, but they've allowed their time, they've allowed their body periods where they've recovered to then increase their kind of baseline, increase their set point that their body can function at. So like, it's like when you take like four weeks off, right? Maybe you've gone on a holiday or you haven't just trained. You go back in and the first session, you're so, so sore. You know, your body isn't adapted to it. It's like, if you don't allow this time for recovery and, 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 you know, over this time, this allostatic load will be negative. We want this to be able to be enhanced. And this is the key point of this podcast. That's the, that's the fundamentals. And if you don't, you won't see progress. And we all see these people in the gym or have experienced it maybe ourselves where you just train and, and you hit a plateau. Harry, have you, have you experienced it yourself? yeah I can resonate with that really hard I think again that was it is it's just crazy the the transition I've seen within like different sports but when I was at my kind of peak CrossFit performance 
I was saying I was at my peak, but really I was training way too hard and not recovering enough. And I, again, as Luke said, I kind of used these like self-care days or active recovery days. I called them self-care days, but in fact, it was just me. It's a nice way of reframing it. But again, there's still those like loopholes and there's still kind of those maybe disadvantages around it. But yeah, like it's, it does. And I think one of the main influences for me was just seeing people on social media and just watching them and being like, I either want to be like them or I want to train like them and having no perspective of what the rest of their day looked like. And I got to a point where I actually just had to ask myself, what are you doing this for? Because I knew I wasn't going to be a CrossFit athlete. I knew that I didn't want to be necessarily. So at the end of the day, I was like, what am I doing it for? And sometimes we actually get to a point where we ask ourselves that question and the answer finally comes and you think, you know what, I'm ready. I'm ready to think like differently, recover better. And I guess nutrition played a huge part in that because I was under under uh, eating yeah. as well. So it, it was so important to make sure that I was focusing on the aspects that I neglected for so long. And once I did, my whole relationship around not only fitness, but food and my recovery just got so much better. Yeah, that's the key thing. The relationship with food and training, it, it, it's, there's a lot of crossover. A practical example or an issue that I see with people trying to lose weight when they're in this this world is that they maybe haven't seen the, the progress that they kind of think that they should for the amount of training that they do, so they do more. The problem is with doing more training is that you're hungrier. <laughs> So then you, like Chloe, you said, like, all of a sudden she's picking at biscuits where she's never picked at biscuits before. So then you're counterintuitive in terms of this. So if you actually, I think there's a reason why CrossFit classes are an hour long. It's because I think it's enough, you know, for, for, for the majority of people. And yes, you can do little extras. But again, just jumping on instagram and finding workouts and just doing them randomly on your rest days i think is is a real issue so yeah harriet that, that's a really good thing like the relationship with food becomes really challenging because you're just like luke said you're constantly on you're constantly thinking about what is this going to do is it going to help me to you know should i be eating in this on this day because it's carbohydrates and oh no i haven't trained hard enough blah 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 blah, blah. i actually encourage my athletes to eat more on a rest day because they train so much that it's really challenging to get the enough calories in. So they actually, I actually try to really enforce that they take a rest day because it's the only time that we can get, get them more calories in. So twice a week, they basically have a higher day on their rest days when they're not doing anything. And guess what? They go back in the next day feeling so much better. And I think this is a key thing. You need to trial it and feel the difference of when you go back in the next day after a rest day and eating well and feel that, oh my God, I don't feel like I've got to go in at 40 minutes before the session and mobilize my ankles, hips, knees, ankles, wrists, shoulders and neck and everything. You can actually just go in and do the normal warm up and, and hit your session. <laughs> but yeah, this is something that goes back to that kind of micro periodization across the week, across the week, uh, across the month and ensuring that you're, you know, you're working for yourself and Guys, I, I think it's been a really good, you know, dis- discussion on it. Like from a nutrition point of view, just to kind of, you know, wrap a few things up is when we think about giving nutrition advice to people that are wanting to progress, like how do we do it? Like how do you actually kind of work with someone who is 
you know, maybe not seeing progress and maybe has seen a bit of a plateau in terms of their, in terms of their, you know, kind of progress. I can start off with a super basic, like where I'd start super, super basic. I'd use the like four hours of recovery. So I'd ask them like, are you rehydrating? Are you replenishing? Are you repairing? And also are you relaxing? And if any of those are out of whack or need to be worked on, then we focus on one thing at a time. So that's kind of the most basic starting point that I have with my clients. Love that prioritization. I think like this is probably actually more on the client than it is on us. But I feel like sometimes our clients need to have a little bit more trust in us telling them to potentially take a rest. And what we would suggest, because I was just thinking, actually, when we have we have girls on the female performance plan, they come in and they say, I want to look like the way I train. Because they're training and training and training and training. And they're like, I don't look like X on social media who trains, you know, five hours a day. I don't look like that. They think I'm not lean enough, et cetera. So then they think they need to lean out. So they overtrain and they undereat. And then when we turn around and we're like, actually, you need to eat a little bit more and train less. People don't want to hear it. And I often think that, you know, we can tell people to do this, but people need to kind of trust a little bit in that, you know, obviously we have their best interests at heart and all this kind of stuff. So I think that's a little bit on on you guys listening as well. Please trust us that we are telling you the right things to do as well. And, you know, I think it is perhaps trying something different and trying to take a rest day and having a little bit of faith in your body and your health that if you do take a day off or we give you a little bit more food, it is going to pay off. So mm. yeah, just, just trust in your coach as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And extension of that one from chloe as well to to kind of those people that have coaches is i think we as nutritionists should always have that kind of direct conversation with coaches as well because they're the ones that are doing the programming and a lot of these people will do whatever their coach says some will try and do more for sure but if they've got that coming at them from two angles nutritionist and coach explaining the situation showing hey this is why and i think something that's really kind of benefited me with that as well when i've worked with um, athletes at maybe even a higher level that are trying to break into the top kind of semi-finals and games level that kind of stuff is having proof of how it is affecting their performance um, and so potentially even getting blood work done and stuff like that that shows hey this is the damage that you are causing your body we have empirical evidence here that can almost bring a bit more trust and a bit more buy-in as if they can see it boom this is what's happening now, good news is all we need to do is this, this, and this to change it. And hey, yeah. that does mean resting a little bit more. It does mean eating a little bit more on those rest days as well. Then that mm. is that makes it a bit easier to get that buy-in, I always think as well. Yeah, I definitely think so. And and feeding that down in let's go down to the everyday athlete. It, it's you know, you can get blood work done, you can get you know, you can track stuff, get objective markers, but you know, the, the main thing is, is that we would always advise you to be like, look, following the, the program in your gym is one of the biggest things that you can do. And actually following it, you know, not just cherry picking workouts or, you know, I don't like that. So I'll do, you know, open gym and go and do, you know, another workout from another program. And you've done exactly the same movement patterns as you've done in the last couple of days, or you don't know what's going to come up tomorrow. So again, your coaches have your best interests at heart. We have your best interests at heart. And what we want to do is, like you said, Chloe, there, we want to in- provide people with the advice so that they feel like they're getting the most out of their training, that they kind of see the results that they expect from the level of 
you know effort that they're putting in this is this is what we want to try to to encourage today is just taking a step back and thinking okay i want to be competitive and i love training and i want to see progress but i am i maybe doing a little bit too much in certain areas or am i maybe not doing enough in certain areas and if we can prioritize and figure out which one of these things that we need to just be a little bit more detailed on then you know we're hopefully going to see progress and you know that's what it is training should be enjoyable we should see we should enjoy the process and what i often see is people just kind of struggling through so this is not something that we want so uh, hopefully this has been a um, a useful discussion for people that are listening and if there's anything that you you know you're not too sure on, like how do you figure out your priority you know again it's just conversations generally i think it is conversations with your coach conversations with us you know, reach out to to us on the on the instagram or on a website or whatever and and we can point you in the right direction but good good stuff team anyone else got anything to wrap up on we're all good lovely stuff i think well, you summed it up lovely lovely mm-hmm. stuff thank you so much for joining us and look guys if you love the podcast please rate share we know you know we hear this at the end of every podcast but it, it really does help and if there's also any topics that you want us to cover then just please reach out to us we're always looking for recommendations we have some awesome guests some awesome topics coming up but we're also looking for you know, what, what you guys want to hear you know what, what do you want us to cover and just you know don't be shy just let us know on this so um thank you so much for listening and we will see you on the next episode thank you so much thank you hey folks i'm mark Marin from the wtf podcast and this episode is brought to you by kleenex ultra soft tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.